Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, Elgie Harrell, and as always, joining me is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, this has been a very, very underwhelming and frustrating start of the offseason for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, I know it's only been two weeks about since the league year opened up, but we had high hopes and aspirations coming into this offseason uh, with the draft capital, with with this cap space and I know a lot. Of you, you, one of the things you say, twenty-three million is not what twenty-three million usually is. But let's be real, the cap is fake. I'm always going to say that they could have done whatever they wanted to do. And what have the Philadelphia Eagles done? They have re-signed Derek Barnett this year. They obviously we've talked about the Hassan Reddick signing. Um, they brought in Zach Pascal. The one thing Zach Pascal has is a familiar familiarity. Oh my God, I can't say that word. Familiarity with. Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni. What's going on, Connor? Well, you, uh, you, you said it best. It's been extremely underwhelming. The only added benefit we presently have um, from the positive to take away from the Barnett signing is he shouldn't see the field as the one or the two defensive end. So hopefully he the pay, you know, corresponds with the fact that he'll be a rotational defensive end. Um but that's a uh, tough, tough sled in as far as what we were expecting and what we got. Um, I know, I mean, we'll dive into it, but I, there seems to be a lot of connecting the dots between Ajabo's torn Achilles and Derek Barnett being brought back. And the rumor that maybe the Eagles want are likely going to go Ajabo. They hope they fall that he falls there and Barnett's just going to kind of cover his healing process for a year. I pray and I hope maybe that that's the answer. But and then Zach Pascal. I mean, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, we get a good run blocker." He's to me, he can probably catch the ball a lot better than Jay Jaw, but he blocks and will possess a very similar role to Jay Jaw. And it just is so underwhelming when you look at the need. He's not really. He's not your big X guy. Like, that's what underwhelmed so much about it. It, it, It's just been such a disappointing offseason when you look at how massive of moves, how much capital has been pushed around by all these other teams. And you start to get this feeling, obviously, how he does not like to spend money. I get that. I understand that. That's just in his blood. He waits for the second and the third waves of free agency, and he tries to get go bargain bin shopping with the guys whose market wasn't what they thought it would be. But I don't think you can continue to ride that wave. 2017 is not something you see. Everybody's pushing the chips all in now. That's the new thing with teams. Push the chips in like the LA Rams did and pray that you come out with a championship or else you could be in for a few years of of sorrow but I feel like that is so much better to go from either the top to the bottom and then work your way back to the top again as your assets rebuild rather than be stuck in mediocrity year over year over year like the Philadelphia Eagles have pretty much been especially since 2017 mediocrity is the name of the game just winning the mediocre NFC East and then making the playoffs and getting wiped out in round one that's not what we are content with anymore, and teams are building in a way that that's just how the Philadelphia Eagles are going to continue to be. They just want to better themselves within a division that is already the laughing stock of the NFL. You know, you said one thing that I, I agree with. They are stuck in mediocrity. The only reason they made the playoffs last year is because they expanded the playoffs. 
they wouldn't have wouldn't have made the playoffs and the, the easy schedule towards the end and not facing a real quarterback um, for yes. a, a long period a long stretch helped them <clears throat> make make the playoffs. Um, they're gonna have a harder schedule this year. Maybe they won't you know face that that you know murderers row of quarterbacks that they did at the beginning of last year. But still, like the you you can't think. I I knew that making the playoffs last year was going to be a hindrance. Like how he went, could have went into Jeffrey Lurie's office. Like, We're a playoff team. We don't really have to change much. You know, we, we add a player here, add a player there and, and, and we can bring back, we can run it back from tw- with the 2021 team. No, you can't. The 2021 team was awful. It was a really, it was one of the worst playoff teams I've ever seen. Um, you know, obviously like the, the, the offensive line was the, was the best offensive line in football. They're coming all coming back this year. A year older, um, but like you know, Jordan Mailata, who by the way, God, that guy can sing. <laughs> I didn't being on the Mass Singer and, and, and him singing that Ed Sheeran song and whatnot. Like, boy, he has he he's, he is a man of very many talents. But you know, Jason Kelsey's coming back, another year older. Um, Lane Johnson coming back, another year older. Brandon Books won't be back; he retired, so you're gonna have a new right guard. Granted, he didn't play most of last year anyway. Uh, Dickerson's coming back with the second year as as the left guard. You know, he, he should only get better. But beyond that, I mean, you have Devontae Smith. We know that he should be a star. But you know what he needs? He needs a quarterback that can get on the freaking ball. And look, I, I say this a lot. I was a big fan of Jalen Hurts in college. But he has he has made very minimal um, – he's very minimally he has improved his passing game from his freshman year at Alabama – through his senior, through uh, the last year at Oklahoma, through, the, through his first couple of years with the Eagles, he still can't read the field. He can't throw the ball to the left. Everything has to be to the right. And me, I'm starting to sense that other receivers, you know, other marquee receivers, Allen Robinson, uh, I'll go with. He's probably the, the one that the Eagles probably potentially could have gotten. Christian Kirk got all the money from um, the, the, the Jags, so I'm not surprised that he didn't come here. But like a legit X receiver that can play opposite of Devontae Smith don't, doesn't want to be the second fiddle when you're a running offense that runs the ball around 50% of the time. Why would I go to a team that's going to run the ball because the quarterback can't throw it when I could go to LA and, 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 and catch the ball from Matthew Stafford. Granted, we mm-hmm. they have Cooper Cup. Um, they don't have Robert Woods anymore, but they have Van Jefferson. They have Tyler Higby. Like, they have a lot of weapons but they're going to throw the ball all over the field and they have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field and a quarterback that can fit the ball in any spot. Why would I go to Philadelphia and play with Jalen Hurts, who, look, a lot of people like him. He's a leader. He's this, he's that. He cannot play the quarterback position in the NFL right now. Especially, and I, get, I, I especially agree with you, like, on in regards to the prove-it guys. <laughs> DJ Chark and Juju Smith-Schuster clearly chose prove-it deals because they think, especially after what they saw with Christian Kirk, that the market can be better and that their market might be a little dipped. So why not put yourself in a posi- optimal position to land? DJ checks catching balls from Jared Goff. I understand it. People are going to be like, well, that can't be much better than Jalen Hurts. He has an opportunity to see a lot of targets and to see a lot of work. Whereas if he came to Philadelphia, he's playing second fiddle, probably third fiddle to Dallas Goddard Mm -hmm. and Devonta Smith on a prove it deal. And you want teams to be able to see the optimal you getting the most amount of targets possible. Juju Landon, 
with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill was great. And now Tyree Kill's out of the picture. This couldn't have worked out better for Juju Smith-Schuster because he's mm-hmm. going to see 125-plus targets this season. Even with Him Kelsey, and Travis yeah. Kelsey. Exactly, because the, you saw that before. That 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 worked fine. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey saw their 125 plus targets every single season. So those were optimal opportunities. Why would you go to a team where you're guaranteed to likely be second at best if you can beat Dallas Goddard out for targets, but third at most likely in an offense that is currently looking to run it back as a purely run first offense that will rank in the bottom fourth or fifth of the league in passing attempts. And this is why you go out and try to improve the quarterback position. I get where the Eagles aren't one quarterback away from, from being a Super Bowl team, but if you can get a quarterback that can, if you can get a quarterback that can throw the football all over the, all over the place, you can attract receivers to come here to want to play with Devontae Smith, with Dallas Goddard, you know, with, with this offense. But since the Eagles weren't able to attract that quarterback, they're stuck with Jalen Hurts. And look, I, I said it before, he's a great leader. He has, you know, uh, the, the, the locker room loves him. Um, but what is this, what is, the, what is the NFL game now? We're not 40, 50 years ago. We're not running the football to win championships. This is a throw first league. All, all the rules are geared to, towards the receivers, towards the offense, throwing the ball down the field. You know, you get a ticky-tack penalty here and there, but the Eagles don't do that because the quarterback, A, can't throw the ball down the field, and B, when he does throw the ball down the field, it's very late. Case in point, that um, the, the, the playoff game against Tampa when he was trying to hit, I think it was Devontae, and it was so late that the safety was able to come from the total opposite side of the field to pick it off. Like, that shouldn't happen. If you could read, and, and he missed Quez Watkins on a, on a play because he wasn't able to read the whole field quick enough, and that could have been a touchdown, which could have changed the, the perspective, the ch- changed the perception of that game early on. But no, it couldn't. There's a reason why Howie Roseman is always looking at the quarterback position. Like, I don't think the Eagles are going to trade up for a quarterback in this draft. And again, I've always, and I've said it, I'm not very high on this quarterback class, but you can't tell me that if Malik Willis drops the 15, Eagles aren't taking Malik Willis. Because Malik Willis has an arm. Malik Willis has the intent. Malik Willis is Jalen Hurts, but built better and has a way better arm. I would ride with Malik Willis over Jalen Hurts. But I think somebody, Atlanta might take him at eight. Pittsburgh could trade up for him. Somebody's going to trade up to get Malik Willis um, in the top 10 because the quarterbacks are going to fly. And that helps the Eagles in terms of, you know, if, if, if Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis go in the top 10, that's there's two other players that have the potential to drop the 15 if the Eagles decide to stay at 15 that could help their team immediately on the defensive side of the ball probably. You could see a linebacker, could we see a defensive end, um, a defensive tackle, could a cornerback, could see somebody that the Eagles could from day one put in Jonathan Gannon's defense and be a legit baller starter and difference maker right away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of people who on like who on uh, some of the Twitter posts are saying, oh, because I, I posted that the Philadelphia Eagles were set to offer Chris, uh, Christian Kirk $13 million. And everyone said, well, why aren't they being aggressive? Why why did they let Chark go for $10 million? Why did they let Juju go for $12 million? People need to understand. <clears throat> I don't – they were – focused in on these players they want it they tried to probably talk to these players but I don't think there was ever a mutual interest between a lot of these wide receivers and Howie Roseman 
Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that's just the way the story goes. That's just the way things are shaking down. Just like Deshaun Watson, how much stock do you put into the rumor that because they share the same quarterbacks coach in Quincy Avery, that he didn't want to take Jalen Hurts' job? They're good friends. He felt that it I would be just disrespectful. I actually, I actually do believe that. it as well, but there's a part of me that also feels <clears throat> like he didn't want to deal with how he didn't want to be in Philadelphia. He's seen the the pressure of being a quarterback there in the situation here. And he's like, I don't know if I want to be there. I don't think that that's a better spot for me. I don't think there was ever a genuine mutual interest given what we have heard generally from reports that he didn't even give them a chance. He gave them like five minutes to pitch to that pitch to him. And that's about it. He had his teams in mind. Um, and like you said, I do believe that that he probably had respect for Hertz and didn't want to take the job. It's just a damn shame that, that that's what it came down to. But there has to be more behind that than just I didn't want to take Jalen Hurts' job. To me, no, there I, had to be more there. You want to know what more there was? Five years, $230 million guaranteed. If the Eagles would have offered that, he would have been in Philly. I'm I'm telling you that now. Like the two who go again, I said this last week. Who goes to Cleveland? If you're being guaranteed $230 million, you're going to Cleveland. That's the reason why he went to Cleveland. If the Eagles would have offered that, he would have been a Philadelphia Eagles. One thing we are learning about Howie is he's, despite what he can do with the salary cap, despite whether it exists or doesn't exist, the one thing we know Howie's doing, he doesn't want to spend big money. He absolutely blatantly refuses. These people, are, you will never see him give 28 to $30 million to a wide receiver. You will never, the day Howie Roseman gives a fully guaranteed over north of $200 million contract to a quarterback is the day, it won't be Howie. It won't be Howie. <clears throat> well, It'll finally be the day that it is a different general manager in well, the driver's seat. The one thing I do think it's more of, and I, and we say this a lot, self-preservation for Howie, because he could continue to build, keep the salary cap as the salary and, you know, keep the cap space, I should say. And as the salary cap keeps going up every year, he can go again, go into Lori's office and say, look, we have all this money, the talent, the free agents this year are going to be better. We can try to go out, you know, we can go out and, and try to entice these players. I also think that the Eagles offense looks, our offseason looks a lot different right now, would look a lot different right now. If Calvin Ridley didn't get suspended for the year, because the Eagles would have made a trade for Calvin Ridley, they would have had their ex receiver. Um, and then, like, you'd be like, okay, so then you look at Hassan Reddick's coming in. Um, they wouldn't have signed Zach Pascal, probably. You know, you, then they, you know, start bringing guys back. Then I think the offseason will look a lot different than it looks right now. But, but the fact that they've only brought in one, technically two outsiders, but one legitimate. Playmate, one legitimate outsider in, in Hassan Reddick, but then they started bringing all their guys. Like it, it, that's what makes it really feel underwhelming, is because they, that trade, if they would have been able to get Calvin Ridley, like it was on the table, that would have made mm-hmm. the, things look a lot different. Also, if you think about it, last year how we re-signed Myalata, Goddard, Maddox, Edwards, like he re- he resigned a lot of the guys that were already on the team last year which goes into technically last offseason but if he would have done it this offseason you would have been like okay you got your your, your left tackle of the future's back he's, he's going to be here on a very team-friendly deal and a guy that could be one of he was a top he has the potential to be a top three left tackle in, in the league dallas goddard potential to be a top five tight end in the league um avante maddox potential to be a top five top ten slot corner in the league tj edwards who's <clears throat> you know uh, we know the Eagles don't value the linebacker position, so he's going to play a lot. But he can, you know, get to 
get to the ball carrier and you know make tackles. So it would look a lot different, you know, when certain signings were made. If if Calvin didn't get suspended and was was in Eagles Green, like so that, you know, thinking of it that way, thinking of the other opposite point of view would make things look a lot different. But I am still very very frustrated with how things are going uh, for the Eagles. And like I said <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> you know. In 27, I hate using 2017 because it's the outlier because that was the, the perfect offseason for Howie, and he has never had, a, had an offseason before that like that, and he hasn't had one since then like that. But, like, they signed LeGarrette Blunt three months later. Um, so if, if there's still Tyron Matthews still available, Stephen Gilmore still available. Granted, I think that they're going to go elsewhere, but there are still players. Bobby Wagner's still available. They're not never going to sign him. But, look, there's still players available that – if the Eagles want to go out and get and and they can entice them to come here, they can do that. Um, but I do think that a lot of the players that you have mentioned that have signed elsewhere, they've used the Eagles as a, as a as a ploy trying to get more money from the team that they really wanted to go to. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Like, I mean, there's a lot of names out there, but the fact that Philadelphia is not heavily tied like yeah, you know, the report came out. Stephen well, Stephen Gilmore's wife admitted. Uh, pretty much on a Twitter post that the Eagles have called. And that was the extent of the tweet. And no reports from insiders have come out of any real conversation or dialogue there. Or Tyron Matthew, who was supposedly visited Philadelphia, nothing went beyond the visit. Bobby Wagner hasn't even been in the mouth of the Philadelphia Eagles, it feels like, in rumors whatsoever. He's been, you know, Baltimore, he's been Dallas, he's been those teams that value the linebacker position and really value putting in, putting money and investment into the middle of the field, unlike the Philadelphia Eagles. So, to me, it's really disappointing because we're trying to figure out what is how we doing besides making, you know, self-preserving moves or kind of basically running it back minus adding, likely adding some fairly high value players through the first round or through the second round or the third, you know, the first two days of the draft with the picks that he has and the likely extent of him moving back to get moving back in the draft from maybe, you know, 16 or 19 to later in the first, early in the second, and get in and pick in next year's draft or pick or two in next year's draft. Like, besides that, it feels like that's what he's doing, running it back, adding these guys whose markets crater, and add some some decent draft capital add some decent players through the draft and that feels it. And that does not feel like enough, especially when you look at the whole NFC East, the NFC East is up for the taking, but we need mm -hmm. to look higher than that. We need to have higher aspirations than what nine and eight, <clears throat> 10 and seven. You need to be 11 and six, 12 and five, and you need to be aggressive in the NFC because I believe the NFC is for the taken just as much as the NFC East, but there are some teams at the top that you cannot disrespect and you cannot disrepute that they are very strong and they're going to be very competitive. Tampa Bay, the LA Rams, Green Bay, you can never rule out even without Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers is there. He's a very good quarterback. He's a very capable quarterback. He'll move the ball down the field and win that team games. But after that, it's 
fairly wide open depending on what certain teams do. What is San Francisco going to do? They're a good team. They're definitely a really good team. But what's the quarterback position going to look like and stuff? We need to have our aspirations higher. And now that the majority of players have pretty much shipped themselves out to the AFC and that has become a complete battleground. We need to have higher aspirations, and it feels like Howie is not digging in and trying to get those players because he just doesn't want to spend the money, or I don't know what it is. I mean, I've heard lots of like other people make comments that he just doesn't want to spend the money. It just doesn't make sense to spend that type of money. But look at where the market's going. That is the all-in approach. When are we going to be that team that takes that all-in approach, goes in, and spends the money to win a championship instead of being bargain bin shoppers who pray that they get a decent amount of luck along the way and some very good output? So far, Howie has failed to get that output from the cheap guys since 2017. Yeah. So when so do we I shift winning, that focus? I think winning the Super Bowl in 2017 was the worst thing that happened to Howie Rosen because then, like, tw- let's be real. Alshon Jeffrey was a, was a really good signing, but he wanted to come here to play with Carson Wentz because we had an established – he thought that Carson Wentz could be an established MVP-type quarterback. And, you know, after his rookie year in 2016, it seemed like that that's the – you know, where he was going. And then, obviously, before his injury in 2017, he was the MVP of the league. And we don't have that. Like, no no receiver is saying, I want to go to Philly to play with Jalen Hurts. They're not saying that. Um, obviously, you can't talk about rookies because if you get drafted, you have no choice. Wherever you get drafted is where you're going to play. But no um, quarterback, no receiver who who is legitimate in this league, who, who who's, a, who's a star in this league, has said, I want to go to Philly to play with Jalen Hurts. And, and, and that's where the Eagles are missing the boat right now. They don't have that star quarterback. That's going to be able to attract. If you would have gotten Russell Wilson, you could have attracted receivers here. If you could have got Deshaun Watson, you could have attracted receivers here. Um, but they don't have that. Baker Mayfield, if you were to make a move for him, that's not going to change. Baker Mayfield, not Jalen Hurts is probably better than Baker Mayfield. So that's that's not even a lateral move. That's going down if you were to go if you were to get Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, I mean, so so that's where it is now. Like I, I don't know what's what's going to happen. I think the Eagles are almost a short. Actually, I, I did want to jump back to something you said a little bit ago when you said bringing back Derek Barnett meant maybe they signed uh, a job out. The only thing about that is you have another defensive end that's coming off of the same injury and, and Brandon Graham, who's, who's older. Like, if, if you're going to draft a defensive end, I want somebody that can play right away. Um, look, a job could potentially be back by the with, with where when his injury happened. Maybe he could potentially be back by the season opener, but or by the beginning of the season. But you know, if you're going to draft a defensive end, it needs to be somebody that can make an impact right away. Um, you know, whether that's Jermaine Johnson, whether that's um, what's it, uh, one of the Georgia defensive ends, like, or the, the Purdue defensive end, George Koloff, whatever the heck his name is. Um, like, <clears throat> if you are going, if that's the premise of the reason why you brought Derek Barnett back is because, oh, maybe we can draft Derek, we can trade back, draft De- uh, Ajabo, and, you know, let him, th- that is terrible thinking, and that's, that that that's a reason to be fired, Dave. Like that, you should not. You want to draft the best player wherever you're drafting. Ajabo, what? I mean, like if you go off of before his injury, sure, potentially. But we're not talking about before his injury. He's coming off of a very significant injury. You need to draft somebody that that you could mm-hmm. throw out there on the de- defense. If not day one, definitely. You know, a couple games into the season, and you you have he has comfort in this defense or comfort in the offense. 
and he's going out there and making plays and being a difference maker. Jabba won't be that until what? Midway through the season, probably. If well, not until his second season. That doesn't work for me. And what's worse about David Ajabo is if you look at what a lot of, you know, scouts are saying or reports coming out about David Ajabo, he was a project. He was a guy who his very best football was likely going to be two to three years away. And now the Achilles tear just puts him behind more. So you're going to draft this guy and he's a developmental guy. He's got a lot of intangibles. He's got a lot of the tools that you're going to love. But he's coming off a major ACL injury that could reduce his acceleration, could reduce his explosion off the line of scrimmage that made him so great and so effective in Michigan. And also tag on the fact that you have to develop some tools and get him there. And most scouts believe he was two or three years away, but he could be super good in two or three years. Maybe mm-hmm. this sets him back even an additional year. And then what, you're waiting for 26, 27-year-old defensive end to finally become that guy for your team? I just don't know. Based on what I've read based on, and then based on the injury he got, it's like at this point, you were better off to let him slide. And if he dips right into the top of that second round, I'd be all for doing something then, figuring out a way to get there. But a first round talent and those types of things are working against him. I'm not, I'm not, it sounds like the Howie move to make. Let's be serious. It sounds like the Howie move to make to go up at 16 or 19 and say, I'm taking David Ajabo. And we will roll with whatever punches we need to take to get him to be that defensive end across from Josh Wett in a year's time or two years time or however long it takes to get him there. It's so few, but that's not what you want. It's not Jordan Mylada. We're not talking about that project that you knew was going to take a few years to get him there. You're going in the first round. You want an impact player who is going to help you from day one. And I understand Jameson Williams' concerns there as well, but he's coming off an ACL tear. I, I fear far less ACL tears versus Achilles tears, especially at a position that requires that explosion off the line of scrimmage, like the defensive end position um, and the wide receiver position. Um, but at the end of the day, Jameson Williams is likely not who you're going to take at 15, 16, or 19. You would likely move back and hope to get him at the end of the first round, or if he dips even further than that. David Ajabo is somebody who I think how he would take that high and he would make us suffer through what the potential of what the ramifications of what that move means and how long we have to wait for that impact player. The difference I think between William uh, Jamison Williams and David Ajabo, I mean, Williams was a legit top 10 best receiver in this class talent, um, bef- you know, before his injury and like, he if, was if, building up major steam, man. If, if he, you would have easy, if you would have watched Alabama like b- before his injury, like they would have easily beat Georgia. Um, and then when he got when he got injured, and I know he, I mean, what Williams got injured in the Nash? Did he get injured in the national championship game? Uh, yeah, uh, it was right around Mechie, it. Mechie got injured in the the other receiver for Alabama. I think he got injured in the SEC championship game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Williams either got injured in the semifinal or I think it was the national championship game that he got injured. But like the difference, like Georgia's defense was able to take a sigh of relief after Williams got hurt because Jamison Williams was burning those, th- that defense no, time and time done. again. And then as soon as he got hurt, Slay Bolden wasn't going to beat him. Uh, J- Earl, Earl wasn't going to beat him. 
Like they had a bunch of young freshman sophomore receivers that just weren't ready to play. Like, and 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 I know I know like I'm going off topic here, but thinking of how Jamison Williams couldn't make that Ohio State or couldn't be a, a one of the top receivers at Ohio State because he transferred to my from Ohio State to to Bama is is insane. It shows the insane off, um, receiver talent at at Ohio State. But I, that's mm-hmm. I could see potentially Jamison Williams being a pick for the Eagles around. 19 because I, I do think that he's going to go top 20 um I, I mean and I could be wrong but I do think he 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 may, he may go top 20 but it's going to be interesting to see I do think that there's no way the Eagles take three three first round picks one is going to be traded definitely not to a team that one especially if the quarterbacks drop one is going to be traded to a team that wants a quarterback and then they're going to try to acquire a first rounder next year because next year's quarterback class Bryce Young CJ Stroud it's going to be a lot better and if if they're, they're rolling with Jalen Hurts this year, moving ahead to, um, you know, moving a pick this year to get an extra first round of next year. So you could potentially, depending on where you're at, trade from the middle of the first round to the top of the top of the first round to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, that, that's what I think the Eagles are going to do, because there's zero chance that the Eagles take all three for use all three first round picks this year they could definitely take, definitely not in the slot they're, they're in at least at the very like you could see yeah, them go to the very back end of the first and maybe take those three first and but you know howie he wants in return a 2023 first i think it has become crystal clear that if he moves backwards, that has to be part of the return which means he likely has to move back to the second round or the third round in this year's draft Pretty obvious. Um, I also think I also think that that the, it was wrong, or it was it wasn't the right it, from a timing perspective. It was bad giving him that extension before the draft. If you would have given him, if if you wouldn't have said anything to him about extension and let him go through this offseason, or you know, free agency period and draft, maybe he doesn't feel that he has that um, security over the next couple of years, and maybe things are different in the draft this year. But the fact that he got that contract extension well before the draft, he knows that I could kind of punt on this draft, only take one or two in the first round, try to get you know another first rounder for next year for self-preservation and, and roll that way. And I think that re- was re- a real big mistake by Jeffrey Lurie. Yeah, we know it was a mistake by Jeffrey Lurie, but at the end of the day, there's something between those two men that <laughs> Howie can do no wrong and Lurie believes that you know how he is just this god's gift to the eagles of a roster builder and he literally has built a roster to disappoint and stick us in the middle of the pack year over year over year since the super bowl that's all he does is he sticks his right in the middle of the pack and he thinks well we made the playoffs that's a good thing that eventually at what point is does we made the playoffs turn into okay let's win a super bowl it's time to win a super bowl again Mm -hmm. because that is what this is all about if you're the mentality is simple if you're not first you're last Mm -hmm. at least in lat if you're last at least you get the one-on-one in a draft right but if you're so if you're not first you're in the middle with everybody else so i won't say last you're just in the middle of the pack you're getting middle of the pack draft picks you're getting all that middle-of-the-pack treatment where you cannot move anywhere. You're literally just stuck. And that's where Philadelphia Eagles fans are. That's where the Philadelphia Eagles are as a team. We have a lot 
don't get me wrong. We have some great talent. There is definitely some talent there on this roster. Devonta Smith is an incredible wide receiver. You pair him with some other wide receiver, I think that offense becomes great. Jalen Hurts, it's tough to say, like, what type of development any further he can do, how much better he can get, and then what he produces on the field this season. But apparently, we're waiting for it. We got to watch for it now. And we have to pray he develops. Um, and then, like, after that, you got Jordan Mailata. You got that great talent. You got Landon Dickerson. You got the nastiest left guard tackle combination in the NFL. You got Lane Johnson, who's getting older, but is still an incredible right tackle. The, on, on the defensive side of the ball, you got Darius Slay still shutting people down, uh, heading north of 30 as a cornerback. And then on the edges, you got Josh Sweat, who's got a lot to show still. You got Javon Hargrave, who I think still has a lot of juice left in the tank. There is a lot of great talent, but there's a lot of significant holes and a lot of significant work that needs to be done. And sitting there saying, I don't want to be the guy to give $12 million to this guy. There is likely, if Howie Roseman is saying that, there is likely a team willing to say, I will give him 13 because mm -hmm. I have that much faith in this guy. Christian Kirk, I would never have given him $13 million. I would never, God, I would never have given him $18 million, let alone the $13 million. If you were willing to give Kirk that $13 million, you should have been all in on any and every wide receiver in the market. There is no reason, reason to believe we shouldn't have been in on it all. And I understand at this point, it was a choice thing. Robert Woods won at Tennessee. Devonta Adams won at Vegas. Some of these guys pretty much pigeonholed these teams into I want there or you guys are or I'm not going to waive my no trade clause or I'm not going to leave or we're going to have to work something out. We're going to have to figure NFL, something out. The NFL starting to become like the NBA where players are di dictating where they want to get traded to. Mm -hmm. um, like it's a, the NBA, which I think is a terrible league. It's awful. There's like three good teams and the rest are all mediocre. Um, it's like, almost as bad as baseball at this point. But like it, it, it's run, the, the NBA is run by the players. It seems like the NFL, because with the NFL being the only league where players don't, you know, 99% of the players don't get guaranteed contracts, where, where the MLB, NHL, um, and NBA, all contracts are guaranteed, the players are starting to try to take control of that. And, and that actually, you know, could be a, that, that could be a good thing going into the future, which is something that if it ever happened, we would definitely discuss. Um, but like, it's starting to look like and starting to feel like the, the NFL players are trying to take a stand um, and they, and they want more control. They want more, uh, uh, they want to be able to determine where they want to play. And that, that makes things interesting. Um, and, you know, right now, Philadelphia is not one of those landing spots because they don't, and I think it does have a lot to do with the quarterback. Like, if you can, if you have a, a quarterback, like Derek Carr is not a legit quarterback, but Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played together in college. They know each other. They have a relationship, and and they were very successful in college. Like Devontae Smith was one of the better receivers in college with Derek Carr as his quarterback. Um, you know, why Robert Woods would want to go to Tennessee to play? I, I that one's a little fishy. <laughs> And Tyree Kill, he wanted to go home. Yeah, he wanted to go gonna home. It's going to be between That's... the Jets and Miami, but it sounds like at the end of the day, as torn as he was, going home just made the well, most sense. Actually, I think the hundred and twenty million dollars is what he he also yeah that definitely that. yeah that definitely would help make it thirty million a year, which is really not thirty million a year, but like 
coming down to that. That's besides being going home, and I think going home was number one. That $120 million, if the Jets would have offered $125, $130 million, eh, it might have been a different story. Especially um, like I, I think it was what seventy five million guaranteed or in that ballpark seventy two I think it was guaranteed. Like you, you're you're feeling good. You're like even if I don't yeah. get that hundred and twenty million, I just locked down seventy two million dollars for myself. So yeah, so like they're and, not and, stressing. And, it, and and for him that was just weird because you're going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua, probably Tua, most likely Tua. Tua, yeah, um, I would and, and confidently like, say Tua right now. Um, but like. I'm just talking about those reports that Tom Brady might was supposed to potentially could get traded to Miami. Who knows? Doubt it's going to happen because he's bringing people back to Tampa. But like money talks. Let's be real. That's what how he needs to realize money talks. You have to be willing to spend money to bring legit playmakers to your team. And right now he's not willing to spend that money. Absolutely. I mean, eventually, like, look at the shift of the wide receiver market. Devonta Smith is going to be paid his dues eventually. And you can get into that market as well, or you can sit on the outside and say, I'm okay with role players like Zach Pascal, who is a red zone weapon because of his size, and he's a run blocker. But he's not somebody who is locking down the X receiver role or your wide receiver two role for the next five years. That's why he's on a one-year deal, because it's what can we do with you in this offense kind of thing. If you're not willing to get aggressive in, in some of these markets, like even the quarterback market, then you're just, we're just, we're going to be stuck in this mediocre landscape. And when it's just not, the safety market was another good example. We were right there with some of those guys. Well, were we though? Give them a report. So reportedly, we were right there. So say, is, is the difference, I you want 10 million more guaranteed? Uh, because I don't want to go above, you know, the five for 70 threshold, but you want 10 million more guaranteed. You want that contract, whatever, you know, if it was 45 million guaranteed, you want 55 million guaranteed. I'll do it. I, how he's the best at moving around the guaranteed money. That That's what he's best at when he can restructure and move around money. That's when he can do his best damage. So to me, if we were in those markets, what is the difference maker? Is it Philadelphia? Is it Howie or is it the money? Like, at, I mean, the quarterback shouldn't matter from a safety standpoint, from the oh, wide safety, receiver yeah. standpoint, definitely. But safety and linebacker, if you're going to sit there and say they don't matter, but they're important in Gannon's off a defensive scheme, you should probably invest in what is important in your defensive coordinator's scheme. Or else we're just going to look like last year where the middle of the we get roasted in the middle of the field, but we can shut down the outsides, which that clearly doesn't matter because then they're just going to filter themselves into the middle of the field and make plays happen and take what's given to them, which is what all the good quarterbacks did against us last year. Take what's given. If you want to give me eight yards, I'll take eight yards here. I'll take eight yards here. I'll take four yards here. I'll take five yards here. Guess what? They're all adding up to first downs. They're all backing us up against the wall. It was death by a thousand cuts last year. Unlike the short exactly. defense, where sometimes if, if he gave up a big play for a touchdown, um, he gave up a big play for a touchdown. Um, and sometimes that that was less agonizing than giving up, you know, third and sevens every you know, multiple times every drive. Yeah, then watching a six-minute drive and just over and over a, a mm-hmm. decent run. Then a small throw, first down. Decent mm-hmm. run, small throw, first down. Those were 
excruciating to watch, mm-hmm. especially when we would go out on the field and have a 30-second drive right after that. Yes. Three plays, no completed passes, no running. Eventually, obviously, the run game got going and things changed, but we still couldn't do much on the passing side of it. But overall, we are entering into, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be really aggressive because that is what has proven to be the potential method to the madness. You either have a awesome quarterback, Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, whatever, Tom Brady, because he, you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they brought those championships with solid teams, but not great, not the LA Rams of 2021. They, But they had Tom Brady. So it's either you have the quarterback or you have the all-in, all-around team like the LA Rams, like we're looking at. I don't think the Miami Dolphins are there yet, but you can see the all-in approach that they're kind of taking there. The NFC West Broncos. in general, pretty much. The AFC West, yeah. AFC yeah. West, sorry, are pretty much all in. Like, you can tell that's the approach. If you're not willing to spend money, you are going to be out in these markets year over year over year. So how he either needs to figure out a way that he's going to be willing to spend the money or we're just going to be stuck in mediocrity. And as much as people sit there, as much as I hear some analysts say, well, would you have spent that money on this guy? If it is going to take the team to the next level, Absolute. Christian so, Kirk was not the answer, but I got a sa- one of those safeties, hundred percent. So I breaking news: that. the Eagles are signing linebacker Kaiser White and giving him a one-year deal worth up to five million dollars. Okay, Kaiser so, White's, you know, whatever. The, probably yeah. the market cratered on him, and he he took this. He he's a he's a. Has a fair amount of tackles, decent tackler. I don't know outside what his coverage is right? like. Is he an outside linebacker? I, I believe he's an outside linebacker. All right. Well, that I think that definitely guarantees the Eagles are not drafting a linebacker in the first round. I don't know if it guarantees, it but guarantees, I mean. It's the Eagles. They're not drafting a linebacker in the first round. Unless they trade back and Dean or Lloyd drop, they're not taking the linebacker in the first round. All right, so um, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that right now, <laughs> dude. The last time the Eagles drafted a linebacker in the first round, we weren't even a twinkle in our parents' eyes. Seventy-eight. Yeah, he's a, he, put, well, he played a mix of uh, weak side and and middle linebacker uh, at in in LA, but he better Ed- not be a middle linebacker. I'm sorry, that ain't the mic that we need. Isn't Edwards our mic right now anyway? Yeah, I mean. At most, it's a it's a mediocre upgrade, but it's not what yeah, Jonathan Gannon needs as his Mike linebacker. No, it's not like they're going to go out and get Bobby Wagner. All right, so before we finish off, this is a question that I'm going to ask up until the draft, but um, what move between now and the next time we record, what move do you want the Eagles to make, a signing, uh, a trade, whatever? What move would you like to see the Philadelphia Eagles make? I want to see this aggressiveness in the wide receiver market come to fruition i don't care what it is whether at this point a sign in there's not really i mean obj there's names out there but like it's not like the first pack of people that first pack of wide receivers that went off and got jobs in my eyes but like address it 
without a role player. I'm tired of role players. We get it. Jalen Rager, he's a role player. We can't, we can only use him in certain instances. J-Jaw, same thing. Zach Pascal, same thing. I want someone who can lock down that X receiver position. Calvin Ridley was going to be the answer. Calvin Ridley just never came to fruition. Allen Robinson could have been the answer. That never came to fruition because he clearly wants a championship and wants to catch from the best quarterback he's had in his entire career so far. But at the end of the day, I just want this aggression in the wide receiver market to turn into something that is not a wide receiver three or four or role player, a legitimate wide receiver two to help Dallas Goddard, to help Jalen Hurts, and to help Devonta Smith. I don't care how it is, trade, signing, whatever. I just, it needs to be done. It has to be done. It's almost, I want to say safety too, like I feel that's an urgent need. But at this point, the safety market's kind of gotten a little wonky. The wide receiver market is still hot and on fire, I think, especially for trades and and signings. The, the opening is there for how He's got to do something there. Yeah, so before I get mine, looking up Kaiser White, he's only 26. He had 144 total tackles, a sack, and two interceptions last year. So that, and that was in a, a Brandon Staley aggressive defense. So hopefully Gannon uh, will know how to uh, use him. All right, so my thing, Tyron Matthew or Stephen Gilmore, Stephen Gilmore, one of the two, or both would be preferable, but it ain't going to happen. I want one of the two. Like, we still need a safety. We, I know we brought back Anthony Harris. I don't like Anthony Harris and um, Marcus Epps as your starting safeties. Um, we still need a, a, a CB2. Give me somebody in the secondary. Um, so I, I want Matthew or I want Gilmore to be signed. Again, probably not going to happen. Um, and if if there's if rumors come out that, oh, the Eagles are interested or whatever, I'm pretty sure that's just the agent trying to, to, to get more money from the team that they really want to go to. Um, but I would love the Eagles to shock us all and uh, get uh, Gilmore or the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Agreed. Get 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 aggressive and start like getting getting in there and getting dirty with some of these moves. Like it's 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 time. We already know that the draft is going to be very different. We already know that you're going to move. You're going to probably be a lot more aggressive come draft day or the start of the draft, moving backwards, moving up. Like really, we're going to see. I think he's going to be. This is going to be one of his more how he's more aggressive draft days. I think three days of drafting i think there's gonna be a lot of moving going on and a lot of moving pieces in philadelphia but at the end of the day i mean i wouldn't be disappointed with that move either get in that land in that big name like a gilmore or matthew but at the end of the day there are still some very glaring holes and some very glaring needs and um how he continues to try and patch things up and it's time to start making some moves that aren't a patch job i have all these one-year contracts only mean one thing and it's not they're here to stay they're not franchise players they're not established players it's kind of prove it deals and i i'm i'm in it for a three-year deal three to five-year deal with a guy that you are willing to put your trust into and that you think can do big things for this team Mm -hmm. definitely agree so we'll see what happens uh over the next week or so we're about a month away from the draft um, and as we get closer to the draft, we'll start, we'll have our mock draft episode, which is one that we always look forward to. Um, still haven't decided if we're going to add trades to that. Probably not because that's just too complicated. I think. Um, agreed. Agreed. We'll just, it, gets, we'll probably, it gets very complicated. Yeah. We'll just stick with where, where everybody is drafting. We'll flip, we'll flip a coin to see who gets to go first. 
Um, you know, we're going to do the entire first round like we've done in years past. Uh, but yeah, the draft is definitely, it, it's an exciting time of year. And we are approaching that, like I said, about a month away from the NFL draft. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job of uh, keeping up to date with any moves, uh, Eagles-wise, and even some of the big NFL moves around the league. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Uh, we appreciate all our followers. You know, we, we've really, I think, you know, Connor does such a great job on our Twitter and, and getting stuff out there. That, like, we've, we've really built a following um, on Twitter. And we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to look to expand that um, in any way possible. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.